just sing it unto him again. play softly and we bow our heads we thank God for the song service the songs that were sung the gathering this morning the Spirit of God that came in every one of you that came with a desire to draw nigh unto him if we would look across this room we can look at believers we can see the outward but we can't see the inward some people would be going through trial, through trauma, through heartache. I pray that the Lord would remember each and every one. Whatever we have need of, it's greater than any man, any preacher could, could do, but Lord can, the Lord can supply. And I pray this morning that He would supply. Heavenly Father, as we come to you today, we're looking now at this time of the service to the Word. We would ask, Lord, that your Spirit would move, your anointing would come upon us. Lord, cause our minds, our hearts, our, our vessels to be yielded unto you, to what you're saying. Lord, I've yielded myself to what I believe you've wanted. May we all yield to that, Lord. It, Maybe it's not the direction we thought, but Lord, our hearts are open. We want what you want for us, Lord. I pray that you would just bless your word as we read it. May the word impart the part that every one of us needs. Lord, only you can do that. We pray and ask your blessing now as we open the word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'll invite you to turn to the book of um, Romans. We're going to turn to Romans chapter 4. As you're turning, I want to just make mention, um, next weekend, that's November 21st, um, this will be for both services, the Lord willing, Brother Murphy Wong from Cloverdale will be here with us. We had intended to have him earlier in the year, and, and then we had disruptions along the way, but Lord willing, we're going to have that, and uh, we are, we're looking forward to that, and especially with the news of the believers that have just been released in China, we thank God for that, so uh, we're looking forward to that. Also, we had a nice young people's service on Friday, really appreciate the worship and the sincerity of those that were before the Lord. As we're at Romans chapter 4, this is uh, the portion of Scripture, Brother Moses read from on Wednesday, and I was interested because it, it so was where I was already going, and I thought, well, I thank the Lord for that wonderful foundation. And uh, 
So Romans chapter 4, let's read verse 1. What shall we say then that Abraham our father as pertaining to the flesh has found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he had whereof to glory, but not before, the, before God. But what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. In other words, Lord, look what I done. You owe me. That's not how we're coming this morning. But verse 5, but to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Even as David also described the blessedness of the man, unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. I want to read a parallel scripture over in the book of James, James chapter 2. I'm going to just pick up three verses here in verse 21. James chapter 2, verse 21. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son upon the altar. Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works his faith made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled, which said, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Amen. Amen. God bless you this morning. You may have your seats. I refrain from saying the comfort of your seats. You may just have your seats. If you have a, something that makes it more comfortable, wonderful. I want to, this morning, speak on two parts of the covenant. We are under a grace covenant. We're not under the covenant God made with Adam in the Garden of Eden. You do this and I'll do this. We're under a grace covenant. It's what God will do. And we believe that that's the covenant that we're under, but there's a couple of parts of this that I want to look at this morning. And I'm going to just slow down. I want to take my time. Uh, I want to just speak a little bit of the origin of our faith and then look at the end of our faith. And I, I was in this thought of the prevailing seed, and there's aspects of this that I'd like to get to, but I just felt that the Lord was wanting us to slow down. In a church, there's, there's, there's many different levels of faith, there's different levels of the journey, and we want to, we've got what we just had, a baby dedication, we have had little ones, we've got young ones, we've got those that are continually going up. The message we preach is a message, no, like Noah's message, it was preached to many generations over 120 years. The message we preach has been preached to generations. It's the same message, but it's being illuminated more and more. And we're desiring that we all come into the faith and we all come into the perfection. And sometimes there's a pressure, well, you need to preach something new. Well, I am preaching something new. It's what the Holy Ghost has for us today, November the 14th, 2021. 
And it's what he's speaking to us today. And I believe that it's what God would want. So I don't want to be under pressure. I, I had, we'd originally had hoped for Brother Murphy to be here this weekend. We had to change that around a little bit. So I'm going to take my time today. I want to speak both this morning and this evening. And I'm, I'm going to just allow that so that I can feel I can take what I need. I'll take part of it in the morning, part in the evening. So I just trust that you can bear with me. Amen. The Brother Branham would, and I'm taking many of my thoughts uh, out of the Masterpiece message, which was in 1964. It was right when Brother Branham saw the vision, and it actually changed much in the message, and it brought him into a different channel, or as we spoke last Sunday, into a different current. It, it brought him into a different way. It was the beginning of in, in his mind, the evolving of a difference between a bride and of the church. And he could see it was two separate covenants, two separate people, two separate times. So we're not under the church covenant this morning. We're under the bride covenant. I, I want to be found in that covenant. And that's where we want to go back to and look. So Brother Branham would speak. And he would say in this message, like many of you men and women my age, he said, when you first came in this country, they had the laundries. The Chinese moved in. They, had, they, they moved out here. They were not acquainted with our language and our ways, but they were fine laundrymen. They couldn't write the ticket so that you could get your laundry back, but he would take us a bunch of cards. He would rip them. And when you came for your laundry... He kept his piece, you kept your piece, and he matched the two together. And he would say, so, so that's the way it was. And he says, you could not impersonate that tear. You could not impersonate. He says, it was unique in every situation. And he said, so also has God by the prophets under the law. He says, he has read." Sorry, I, I ran too far. He said, you can't impersonate that tear. It's got to fit. You could redeem them if your ticket matched it. Now, I'm going to try to slow down. I said I wasn't going to. I'm going to need your, your help just to move along. If this is too simple, I, I just say we, we just, let's, let's let God operate in simplicity. So there's two parts, but one whole. There's a beginning and there's an end. There's an inside and there's an outside. There's, a, there's faith. There's works. But to bring them all together, it, 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 you know, there's God in, in deity. There's us in flesh. But they've got to come together. And, and how even God separated himself and condescended to flesh. I think we're looking at the reciprocal of that. So we want to examine our roots a little bit. We want to look at these things a little bit. Just take our time. You know, Brother, Brother Max was preaching at the young people's, and it was, it was a good comment, I thought. Sometimes we, we just get casual in our approach. I know we live in an electronic age. I know, I know that you can have a Bible app on your phone. You can have it on other things. But Something still to be said about opening your Bible and turning the pages. Something about giving that reverence. Now, I'm not trying to condemn anybody here. I'm just saying there's something about the old ways. 
there's something about the, 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 the old-fashioned gospel. It, it's never changed. Let me just slow down with this a little bit. The book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 6, in verse 16, it would just say this, and I, I thought <coughs> it, was, it was good how it was put, but it would just say, Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16, and it would say, Thus saith the Lord, stand you in the ways, and see and ask for the old paths, where is the good way, and walk therein, and you shall find rest for your souls. I don't think anything can place reading your Bible and praying every day. They asked Charles Spurgeon one time, they said, what's more important, is it reading your Bible or is it praying? He said, well, what's more important, breathing in or breathing out? <laughs> you need both. It's a daily walk. It's a walk of faith. As our brother Moses said, it's a walk of obedience. It was at the day of Pentecost after the greatest meeting. They could have just said, that's it. But you know what they did? The next day, at the hour of prayer, they were found walking in the manner that they should have walked. At their place of duty. So we need to do our duty. And sometimes the hardest thing, you know, it's such a busy age. I've been communicating with a few minister friends of mine, and I'll tell you what, they're harder to get a hold of than ever before. They're all busy. They're all this. And, you, you know, and, 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 and I just say, in the middle of all of that, we've got to have some discipline. We're living in a characterless, undisciplined age. We still need to take time to read our Bible. We still need to take time to pray. That's not just a church. That's every day. I keep a Bible in my car. I keep a Bible at my office. I keep a Bible in the den. I keep one upstairs. I keep one everywhere. Why? Because I like to be found. If, if God quickens something, I like to open the Bible and look at it. And I still got the apps on my phone or my tablet, my computer. I thank God for all of that. Is that all right? That was just a little commercial this morning. At any rate. You know, it's just the simple ways. I had another scripture there, Sister Ruth Micah. I think Micah chapter 6. Micah would, would talk about it in verse 8. He said, He has showed thee, O man, what is good, what does the Lord require of thee but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? You know, there's a, there's a pressure. I've always marveled at the little part in pick up your pen and write. And Brother Branham, as he's writing, as the Lord's leading him, and he would come to the end and says, the people will put pressure, like they put pressure on Joshua. They'll put pressure on the leadership in the last day. Go in, possess the land. Go in, do this, do this, do this. And he says, but Joshua waited. And I, I believe we are not being, it was expressed in prayer uh, in, in the office. We are looking for the leadership of the Holy Ghost. We're not looking for the leadership of man. If he says move, we move. If he says stop, we stop. But he's the one that's leading. It, it's, it's not the minister that's in charge. It's not just the pastor that's in charge. It's, it's not just the, you know, the, the elders that are in charge. It's the Holy Spirit. We are all submitting to him. I, I, I just have thought of, I, I really thought of where we're at even in the, in the framework of the message. 
there's been so many influences. And I, 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 was, I was reflecting on, you know, the Jews, they're going to be called out of Jewish traditions to receive the same message that you and I have received. They're blinded, but they're just about ready to receive it. And we also have been called, as Brother Branham would say, out of Pentecostal traditions. There's so much tradition, there's so much influence that, that has crept in over the years, but God had to back up and start at the foundation. The message had to sow the seeds from Genesis right to Revelations. The whole Bible had to be sown. And I believe that's what we're under. So I think it behooves us just to go back. I want to just share something Brother Branham would say, and he would even talk about it. He'd say, in, in Noah's day, the people laughed and scorned at Noah. Now, we, we sometimes get this idea that's the caveman days. You know, we, we look at the pictures that, of old, like in the 1800s, 1900s, and they're all black and white, or the early 1900s, whenever they had them. And we think, oh, it was ancient. No, but those people actually saw in color. They didn't see in black and white. Those people had to deal with issues like you and I did. They had to deal with modern thinking in that day. Noah had to deal with modern thinking in his day. And he said, so in Noah's day, it wasn't, Noah's message wasn't according to their modern thinking. And they would make excuses. And if we're not careful, we allow modern thinking. This world, everything is built on what you can achieve. It's built on what intellect will teach you. It's built on all those things. When we come to church, we need to check all those things out. We need to discard that and say, Lord, I know nothing as I ought to know. But I'm humbling myself before you that you can speak to me. Now, I'm, I'm saying that because... I thought of Noah and I thought, you know, I, I feel like I'm going to speak the same thing you've all heard, and I, I don't want to fight the whole service and, and try to come up with something that somebody's going to be entertained by. I'm not here to entertain. The gospel is not entertainment. I believe the gospel is, is real, it's genuine, the Holy Ghost convicting hearts. Maybe in a service like this this morning, some person that has thought, I, I can't make it. God's just way up there and I'm way down here. There's no way I can't see me connecting. I want to bring those two together this morning. I'm interested this morning in, in all of us. He would also say, a man that's going to be a success in this day has to go with the modern trend of thinking. Don't let that come into the pulpit. Well, yeah, we, we all have screens now. We can have PowerPoints. We can have all of those things. But those are not meant to replace our interaction, our amens, our heart that's coming. Those are aids. Let's, let's look past those things. And yes, we can stream services and we can listen and thank God for all of those things. But it doesn't replace this good old-fashioned gospel. Having a church where you put yourself as part of it. My, my. I, 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 did, I didn't know if I'd ever repeat this, but I'm going to repeat this. And uh, a brother, um, Michael, sent me this. 
uh, Michael Perzok, and it was, we have a, they have a cousin who is a priest, and he's a priest in, um, in BC area. He comes sometimes here to the church, and he sits, and he listens, and, and he enjoys it. He sent, he sent this to Brother Michael. Now, this is a Greek Orthodox priest. He said, as church attendance numbers fade across the nation and online services become very convenient, it's important to remember why church attendance for you and your family matters so much. You cannot serve from your sofa. You can't have a community of faith on your sofa. You can't experience the power of a room full of believers worshiping together on your sofa. He's saying that. Christians aren't consumers. We are contributors. We don't watch. We engage. We give. We sacrifice. We encourage. We pray by laying hands on the hurting. We do life together. There is still something that happens when believers get in a room under the anointing. There's something that changes, that takes your heart and it moves you. And if you have found yourself just reclining a little too much on the sofa, use this as an encouragement. You're a part of the assembly. You being here makes a difference. Okay. That wasn't in my notes either, but it as the Lord was leading, I'm doing it. Modern trend of thinking. Yeah, everything's online. I, I tell you what, I, I have to do business. I, I like to actually sit down and look at somebody in the eyes. And say, I, let's have a meeting. Sure, I'll send you an invitation and we'll do it by Zoom or by Teams or, oh my goodness. Can't we just meet and look at each other? Get so much more done. Anyway, that's, that's me venting a little bit. Modern thinking. Isn't he a darling? Isn't he wonderful? He never keeps us over 15 minutes. Well, I've never been accused of that, that's for sure. <laughs> Our pastor doesn't bawl us out about these things. Here's what Brother Branham comments on that pastor. Shame on that pastor. Any man that can stand in the pulpit and look upon the sin of this day and not cry out, there's something wrong with that man. Any parent that will let his child just go and do things, whatever, there's something wrong with that parent. We ought to be concerned. We're in this together. Okay. I got off of page one. I'm good. Let's just go back. <laughs> I'm gonna, I want to just take take something here. This is out of the masterpiece message, and, and Brother Branham would say, he says, now, we've got to place our faith somewhere. If I'm going to be a success in life, a multimillionaire, what are we going to do with that? When I come to the end of the road, what good is that? We are here in a negative form. As long as there is a negative, there has to be a positive. And he said, there cannot be a negative without the positive. So if our life here is in the negative, now, 
We are in a society that will tell you it's all about this life. It's all about what you can achieve. It's all about what you can see, what you can touch, and you can feel. And you are here today saying, I disregard all those things. It's not about this life. It's not about what I see, feel, touch, or hear. It's about faith. It's about where I'm going. It's where I came from, and it's where I'm going. That's our faith. And I say, if we'd let that stagnant, we've hit a pool, a stagnant pool, we need to see ourselves moving. Okay, now he, say, he would go on to say, if we see our life in the negative, we're an, we're an image of some life somewhere. I, I, I've often said, when you die, you'll be somewhere else. Where will you be? And Brother Branham prays in the same message. Father, your word is a lamp. It lights the path of every believer into the presence of God. He said, as a man would travel through a dark forest, that's where we are. The light only provides light step by step. Now, I want to just project this a little further. We're all familiar with the masterpiece message. Brother Branham would talk about how Michelangelo would take this piece of rock this raw piece of rock, but somehow he looked into that raw piece of rock and he saw an image in it. And he began to fulfill, to take away everything that did not fit that image. Now somewhere in his mind, God looked down, the song that was sung this morning, in the mind of God, he looked down, he saw us in time. Now he bred certain things in us, he had our grandparents, our parents, he brought us to this earth, he, he took care of all of those things, but yet we were not perfect in that form. Far from that form, no matter how religious our grandparents or our parents were, that doesn't make one difference. It's not a natural lineage. It's a faith lineage. It's a faith seed that will overcome. You say, why are you going this way? You're talking about a prevailing seed. Brother Bannon would say, I would look at the shipwrecks of ministers along the way. Why is that? Why do people walk in the faith? Why do they come out of it? He says, it's because they didn't go into it right. And I want to take some time to go into it right, to look at the roots of our faith. Why are we here? What do we believe? What is the Holy Ghost? What is the seal of, uh, uh, in this day? What is the mark in this day? I'm just backing up a little bit. Now, so he would say, Michelangelo, he kept chipping away and chipping away. And he would say, I'm going to read just a little further. Finally, after years, he comes and he looks at the image. And what he was seeing in his mind had materialized in real life. And when it material in real life, it so struck him that he felt like saying, speak. And he struck that image and he said, it put a flaw in it. And the flaw was what made it the masterpiece. That's how much. Now, it, it's not that there's a chip on you or there's something on you. But it's that God saw something real. He's, he saw us as a bride in this last day. And I, I keep looking at that image. I don't see it all yet. But I know I'm not what I used to be a year ago. 
I'm not what I was a few months ago. But I'm continually moving, and we need to see that. And, and, you know, it can be awfully discouraging when you look and say, after all these years, you mean we're still dealing with certain things? Yeah, we are. But God's working. I thank God for His working. And His working is sometimes not, it's not even perceived. We don't see it all the time. Whatever you're struggling with this morning, if it's depression, if it's, if it's, um, if it's some health issue, if it's something, we, we don't see it, but we, we commit it to God and we keep moving. Maybe it's impatience. Maybe it's a temper. Maybe it's, it's, it's something that, that's been affecting you. And, and you don't see it, but you keep going. And all of a sudden, I don't know if it's ever happened to you, you're walking along somewhere and, and you're in a situation and you used to get impatient and you used to get angry and all of a sudden you find yourself, I'm in the same situation and I'm relaxed. How did that happen? God did that. It's not what we do. So sometimes God is working in a way we don't see it. So, so he, he would just say, speak. And he said he would toil, he would weary, he would rub on it. The negative of what was in his mind had become real. It was the positive. It was a reflection. It was a, a, a compliment to his work. Now we're dealing a little bit with the natural seed. And I'm, I'm, I'm just looking at Abraham a little bit. You know, Abraham has claimed to be the father of the faith. Actually, three different religions claim Abraham to be the father of the faith. The, the Jews claim him as the father of the faith. The Muslims complain, believe him to be the father of the faith. And Christians believe him to be the father of the faith. 60% of the world believes that Abraham is the foundation. Now just think about that. One man, one time, what was so special about this man? Well, it wasn't the man. It was the fact that God chose a man, and God had a process, he had a pattern that he would establish thereever after. So I need to discount something. If you're, if, to the Jews, they would say, you know, when Jesus came on the scene, we have Abraham as our father. And, and they missed the very fruit of Abraham's faith manifest in their day. It's not a natural lineage. Okay, let's just go to Romans chapter 2. I'm, I'm taking my time this morning. Romans chapter 2. Thank you for your amens. Romans chapter 2, we'll pick up verse 17. Now, remember who Paul is preaching to, and remember who Paul was. Paul was Saul. Paul was zealous in the Jewish traditions. He, he, was, he thought, this is the way to God. He had a seed in him that hungered for God, but it was in the wrong channel. So now, Paul is speaking to the Jews, and he's saying this in verse 17. This is the Jews who knew the law, lived by the law. He'd say, behold, thou art called a Jew, and you rest in the law, and you make your boast of God, and you know his will, and you approve the things that are more excellent, being instructed out of the law, and you are confident that thou thyself art a guide of the blind, a light of them that are in darkness. You're an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of the babes. Thou hast the form of knowledge and of the truth 
of the law. I like how he puts it. You have a form of knowledge and of the truth of the law. Now, the, if, if you ever would capture the spirit as Jesus dealt with the Pharisees, as Paul would deal with him, they were a very proud people. They had a rich heritage that they could back on. They could sort of square up their shoulders. We have all of this behind us. And I believe we've almost come to the same season within the message. We have Brother Branham. We have all the tapes. We have everything. We have had pastors. We've had ministers. I'm in a church that preaches this and this. And we kind of just rest there. That's not good enough this morning. Your brother Ed, you're tearing down everything I believe in. If I'm tearing it down, it's just so we get our foundation right. Our foundation is not on a historical message. Everyone that comes to God must be born of God himself. It's not good enough that you have parents that believe. Thank God for them. It's not good enough that you have young people that you can be friends with. It's not good enough to hide in a church and nod your head and say, I'm going to be okay. It's not going to work when you come to the end of the road. You've got to be born of God. Now, these are the Jews. So he would say in verse 21, Thou therefore that teachest another, teachest thou not thyself? In other words, you dress in nice clothes, but where's your heart? So far from God. I, we could say, you come to the message church, but your mind is on other things? Sorry if that's stepping on somebody's toes, but that's the truth. And he would say, Teachest thou not thyself? Thou that preachest a man should not steal, dost thou steal? Thou that sayest a man should not commit adultery, dost thou commit adultery? Thou that abhorrest idols, dost thou commit sacrilege? Thou that makest thy boast of the law through breaking the law, dishonorest thou God? For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you. For it is written... now. He starts to make a distinction between the law and not the law, okay? And he refers to it as the circumcision and the uncircumcision. The circumcision which is of the law. Now, catch that phrase as he goes. Now, for circumcision verily profiteth if thou keep the law. But if you're a breaker of the law... Thy circumcision is made uncircumcision. Therefore, if the uncircumcision, the Gentiles, which keep the righteousness of the law, shall not his uncircumcision be counted for circumcision. In other words, if, it's, if God moves on your heart, you don't have no lineage to speak of. You got no background. You got nothing. But God came in your heart. You're changed. You used to be a drunkard. You used to be a fornicator. You used to do all these things. But now your heart is towards the things of God. You open the Bible. You do this. But you got no background to speak of. You're uncircumcised. You're a Gentile. You're not even in that covenant. I'll say, 
you're in a better place than the one who knows the whole law, knows the whole message, knows everything, and still despises people, still has anger in his heart, still does those things. It's not good enough to obey the rules of the message. That's not our salvation. Our salvation is on a higher level. It's written in the hearts of men. Paul's making that distinction. Listen, we've had... We've had generations that came out. Some of our, I, I, I appreciated over the years some of the testimonies of people that came out of the world. Well, I'm just saying this morning, you don't have to go in the world to have a testimony. Years ago, Brother Stephen Dodd came here. He said, I was raised in a home, but I didn't have God. And I needed God. Thank God he kept me from all of those things. I didn't have a testimony that I drank and I did all of those things. But I still needed God. And I had to come out of it. You have to come out of something. I think in the same service that, that evening, our sister Naomi came and gave a testimony the same way. And she said, I thank God I've never done this, but I still needed God. And I, I'm saying it this morning. Don't be deceived by being in these walls. Don't be deceived by saying, my parents are this. I'll be okay. No, you'll not be okay. When it comes down to it, it's just you and God. I, I'm, I'm really backing up here. I'm really backing up. And he would say, verse 27... And shall not uncircumcision, which is by nature, if it fulfill the law, judge thee who by letter and circumcision does transgress the law. I remember my brother, uh, he wasn't serving God at all at the time. And uh, he would, uh, he would, uh, he worked at a service station and it wasn't far from the West End where Brother Irvin Ellis was. And once in a while, Brother Irvis, Irvin Ellis came into there, and you know, he, you know, Brother Irvin, just a good old rugged Christian. I mean, you shook hands with him, it was like shaking hands with a two-by-four. And, and, and he, he's just a solid brother, and you know, I love those good old-fashioned Christians. You know, he'd come in there, and, and my brother, he said, just seeing him walk in, I knew I wasn't in the right place. <laughs> He said, yeah, I knew the message. I knew everything, but I knew I wasn't in the right place. So it wasn't long after they, they had another employee hired at the service station and the service station. And this guy was kind of an on-again, off-again Christian, charismatic. He would, he would he'd be in a revival meeting one weekend. He'd be testifying to everybody at the workplace. The next weekend, he was drunk. And uh, so one day, he testifies to my brother, and he says, hey, there's a revival meeting coming up this weekend. And my brother just looked him straight in the eye, not a believer, and he said, if you want religion, you go to the church where my mom goes. They got it. You don't got it. <laughs> now, you know, they know. The devil knows if you got it. Listen, the devil is the biggest bluffer. But if you try to bluff your way through, he knows you're bluffing. But if you got the goods, he also knows if you got the goods. I think we need to have the goods. We need the answer to the devil's question. The manifestation is not in letter form, but it's written in hearts that believe. That's where we're going to. Now, he would say, 
28. For he is not a Jew which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew which is one inwardly, and circumcision is of the heart, in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. They had a saying in the world that said, if nobody was there to watch you, how many people would drive a Mercedes? Now, a few people buy the car because of the engineering. But very few, I'd say there's a greater percentage that buy it so that everybody can see me. Now, that's in the world. That can also happen in religion. As long as they see me, as long as I'm doing the right thing, I'll be okay. No, it's not okay. It's not okay. You need to know where you stand with God. You know, the other day when Brother Andrew and, and Brother Jeff testified of, of the service just on high places, I always thought of that, and I, and I never put it together till that service as much, but it said such and such a king, but he didn't take away the high places. And I thought, how many in the message are following in a form, following the letter, but still have some high place somewhere, some little retreat, some little place that you go in your private time, in your private place. Listen, we're human. We have our ups. We have our downs. We have our weaknesses. But if it's a place that you are comfortable going to and still serve God, I'm saying something's missing somewhere. God dealt with me a little bit on that, and I said, Lord... I take that. I receive that. And I began to watch my thought life a little bit more. I began to do it. Thank God for the washing by the water of the word. We need that continually. Okay, let's go to Genesis chapter 12. I I'm, I'm told you I'm taking the service. I'm taking my time. And I'm glad I'm taking my time because I really want to do what, what the Lord wants this morning. Genesis chapter 12. Now this is... I'm just going to take this a little bit. If you read the last part of chapter 11, the last two verses, it gives a little of the history. We took this a few services back where, you know, and let's just back up to verse 31 of chapter 11, Sister Ruth, if you don't mind. This is, now, it's, it's funny how the scripture's written here. It says, and Terah took Abraham his son. So Terah was Abraham's father. And Lot, the son of Haran, his son's son, and Sarah, his daughter-in-law, his son Abraham's wife, and they went forth with them from the Ur of the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan, and there they came unto Haran and dwelt there, and the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Now, if you just read that scripture, you'd say, well, the father took his son, and he took his nephew and his wife, and they all left. But the next verse actually illuminates what really happened. It wasn't Terah that took him, but it was God that spoke to one man. So in chapter 12, verse 1, And the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, from thy kindred, from thy father's house, into a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee, I will make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing." And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curse thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And here is the whole part. Now, if somebody came to you in Laodicea, and I'm going to use Laodicea as a type of Babylon. If they came to you in, because Abraham dwelt in Babylon. He was an idol worshiper. 
He, he lived in a family. He knew nothing of God. He was an ordinary man. He was nothing. We, we look at Abraham as he had something special. That's why God picked him. No. Abraham had nothing good about him. The only good thing was that God chose him. And I'll say this, the only good thing about you or me, there was nothing good about it. Doesn't matter what your family background was, is that God spoke to you, God called you, and that alone is your righteousness. So it says, God gives him all these promises. And here's verse 4. And Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him. This just ties in by the most. Moses said, he was obedient. Now, I want you to think just for a few moments, and I'm, I'm just going to take and labor on this point a little bit, because we've been talking about the prevailing seed, or a seed that overcomes, or a seed that, that works. And yesterday I was just out getting the last little bit of the leaves before the snow that's falling right now uh, is, is, um, is hitting the ground. Sorry to distract you all. And, and, and so I, I was there, and we'd planted some trees about 10 years ago, and they're just little trees and, and such. And, and, you know, they were there, and one was a Schubert, one of those ones that is green, and then it turns that burgundy, uh, you know, deeper, richer color. And, and then there was a linden tree, which is, is it's a nice aromatic tree and different ones. And, and, and so here it's 10 years later, and yesterday I'm raking out the flower bed, and I'm looking, where did all these leaves come from? And then it came, you planted the tree. <laughs> now, when I planted the tree, I didn't see what would happen 10 years down the road and that I'd be spending a November afternoon raking leaves and piling them into a trailer. But every leaf was in that seed at the beginning of the tree. And when God said to Abraham, and he made a promise to a natural seed, he said, in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. In you, there'll come a mighty nation. There'll come so many people that you can't count the stars. You can't do this. But it was in that seed. But it wasn't Abraham's righteousness. It was a pattern that God was establishing whereby he himself would have a people. So it was God saying, I'm planting something. I'm choosing you, Abraham. This is my planting, and my planting will bring forth all the rest. I'm, I'm, I'm really taking time with this, but let me, let me read what Brother Branham would say, because he talks about Abraham, and you know, sometimes... We think, you know, to be like Jesus, you've got to be like Jesus. Well, you know, Jesus was the virgin-born Son of God. He, he came directly from his theophany. He knows all things. He's the righteousness of God. He did all these things. How am I ever going to be like that? You'll never be like that. Amen. Not in yourself. And yet, God gives us a character called Abraham, who was an ordinary man, who lied along the way, who disobeyed along the way, who God gave grace, who God did all these things. I think we can all identify with a guy like that. That's right. I can. I said, yeah, I, I did exactly what Abraham did. There was times God told me to do it, and I did it partially, but not fully. And God gave me grace till I did it fully. 
There's times that I've lied. You've lied, Brother Ed? Yes. In your past, you mean? No, since I've been a Christian. Horrors. Wow. Excuse me. You can all remove your halos right now. Put them down. And if you can say, don't, don't look at me. I, 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 I know your masks are on, but I can see some of your mouths are open. And, yes. Preachers, prophets, all are human beings. They're all subject to passions. We ourselves are nothing in ourselves. Lest we think, <laughs> mm. No, we are nothing. Except God did something. So here, Brother Bannon would say this, and he just talks a little bit about it. And I want you to think about this. Abraham, he says, was just an ordinary man. He was just like a farmer in Onaway. He was just like a carpenter in Beaumont. He was just like a, a sister that is at home with her children. That's the kind of man God chose. And when God spoke to you, I, 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 we, we closed the young people's service and it was, we were just closing and we were, as Brother Max had ministered and, 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 and he talked about washing Jesus' feet and, and all of this and, and, I, and I just said, all it takes is a little move towards God. How does the call of God come? It's just a still small voice sometimes. And, and all that you do is you respond. And the minute that you respond, that's the beginning of your faith. Amen. Your faith doesn't start when you were born into a family. It doesn't start when you came into these walls. Your faith starts when you respond to what God did for you. That's when your faith starts. And it doesn't look like a lot sometimes because it's just an imperceptible movement. And Abraham did as the Lord had spoken. And that was counted to him for righteousness. Uh, nobody saw what happened. Listen, it wasn't, it wasn't a whole bunch of you know, social media team taking pictures as he was doing this. No, he was the only one. He knew what was inside. In fact, he came out of a, a country of idols. And, and, and could you imagine when he comes up to his dad and he says, you know, dad, God spoke to me. Oh yeah, which one? And he says, well, because all they could point at were the visible gods. You know, the, the heathens, they would have a, a, an idol, they'd put it, they would put it forth, they would worship that. They believed that a deity dwelt in that idol and they worshiped that idol. But Abraham didn't have any of that to point to. He says, well, I believe it, but it's the invisible one. <laughs> they laughed at him. What invisible one? You got to have something I can see. No, he had nothing to see. The only thing he responded to was the call of God. It was John Wesley who would talk about the messenger to an age. Think about this. The messenger to an age. He was, he was lukewarm in his experience. He, he was over in England, and he went with the Moravians on a boat, and he went and he realized, I don't have what I need to have. And he came back and he made this testimony. And one time, my heart was strangely warmed. And that was the beginning of the faith for John Wesley. His heart was strangely warmed. 
Oh, you mean he didn't come to an altar and speak in tongues and he didn't have people pray and didn't? No, that's where his faith started. When his heart was strangely warmed and when God spoke to him and he responded. It wasn't when he was even baptized into the Anglican church. It wasn't even when he did this and this. It was when God spoke to him. That's the beginning of our faith. No matter if you're raised in the message, but when God speaks to you. And I would just say this. He's speaking this morning. He's, he, he's making himself known. Listen, I, I would like to say I'm going to apologize for speaking so simply, but I'm not apologizing. Because some, God is speaking to you and he's waiting for you to respond. That doesn't even mean you have to make an outward show. Maybe you're... you're an inward person. Maybe you don't like to, you're, you're shy. You don't want to be seen. You don't want to know this. Forget about all of that. Just respond to God. You know, and if it means bowing your head in your seat, so be it. Just respond to him. Don't put him off. He's, he's a gentleman. He wants to come to you. Now, he says, Abraham was an ordinary man. Next verse, next, next part of the quote. But God, <laughs> by election, sovereign grace, called Abraham. And he says, there's many, when there was many young men in the land that day, there was probably some that were more capable of doing the job as the world would think that Abraham was, but God knows the heart, that's it. And he says, notice, God giving us an example. Abraham and his little boy. Abraham was just an ordinary man. His father was an idol worshiper. I don't know if you've ever looked at the Bible, but if you've ever looked at Korah and Dathan, and we all know what they did, and it was all wicked and it was all evil, but did you ever read in the Psalms where it talks about the sons of Korah? The sons of Korah, despite the mistakes of their fathers, they were believers. They came out of the spirit that their parents were under. And they came into the economy of God. The sons of Korah. You might say, well, I don't even have a good track record in this message. This happened and that happened and that happened. That doesn't matter. Whatever God speaks to you, that's what matters. Amen. That's the important thing. He says, his father was an idol worshiper. The city of Ur came out of Babylon. They worshiped the roots of trees. <laughs> wow. They had some woman up there, and she was supposed to be a goddess, and everything built by Nimrod. That's where idol worship first was established in Babylon. The people were scattered and Babylon brought them all into one group under one great head or one great organization. That spirit still exists. It exists under a denominational move. It exists under the ecumenical world council of churches. And don't think because we have the title of message that it doesn't come in here. 
Now the message itself will not be denominated. But there will be men that will seek to exercise control over other men. That has never been God's program. That's never been God's economy. When you see somebody building a kingdom, when you say to them you have to do this, you have to do that, I'll tell you what we have to do. We have to obey God. We need to be like Peter and, 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 and like those that were at the day of Pentecost when they said, you know, they, they came into the religious leaders of that day and said, you have to do such and such. Says, Whether it be to obey man or to obey God, we've made up our mind we're obeying God. Our lineage is not defined by, by pictures of the message or so-and-so was in the meetings of Brother Branham or so-and-so. And let me just go further and if it doesn't, steps on your toes, so be it. Neither is it good enough to have the last name Branham and say that you're in. They have to be born again too. It's not enough. It's God speaking directly. That's the call. That's where righteousness starts. That's where your journey starts. That's where faith starts. That is where you start, and that is where it takes you to the end. In choosing, sorry, not in choosing the bride, it's the greatest battle ever fought. Brother Bram talks about how churches will play on people. And they'll come up at the end and say, your mother would love for you to be at this altar. Come on. He said, that's not how you work. God speaks directly. Neither do you work by fear. If you don't hear me and listen to my message, you're not going to be in the rapture. No. We're servants. God is God. God speaks to an individual heart. Yeah, there's, there's a, it's a fearful thing for what's going to happen. But he's still calling today. And I'll say this, the, one of the greatest things we are learning is maturity. Maturity not to beat somebody over the head with the message. Maturity to love them. How do you claim your children? Do you claim them by coming up to them and saying, I saw what you did last night. And he said, the token is on this home and you better line up with it. Brother Branham talks, he says, apply the token. Apply it in love and in consideration. Create an atmosphere and your loved ones will drop into it. How do you apply it when they're out in the world? Just love them. How do you claim them? By just loving them, by just being a, being a friend to them, by just being whatever. That's how we claim them. And I think we need to exercise our rights and say, you, you can be talking outwardly, smiling. In your heart, you'd like to say, oh, I wish I could tell you what you're doing. But inwardly, you're just saying, Lord, I claim them for you. I do this for you. I claim I'm standing here for you. Give me a heart, Lord. Give me the right words that they'll drop into it. I think we need to exercise our maturity. The greatest thing we have is the love of God. I believe the love of God is what we need to exercise. The message is not just words on paper. The message is in the hearts of people. Babylon brought them all into one group. One great big head or great organization. But Abraham came out of the group that pulled away. His father married, he had married his half-sister. They lived in the valleys of Shinar. God spoke to him at the age of 60, or no, 75 years old. 
promised him a case of divine healing. Because when he was called, now I, I want you just to think about this. I'm going to go back to Romans chapter 4 for a minute, if you will. Romans chapter 4. Now remember, when God spoke to him in Genesis chapter 12, and he says, you'll be blessed, you'll have seed, at that moment, at that time, Sarah was barren. She could never have children. It was an issue before they ever got there. And, and he was an idol worshiper, and he was in the middle of all of this. He had nothing good about him. But God spoke to him. So it says here in Genesis chapter 4, we finished in verse 8, but verse 9. Comes this blessedness then upon the circumcision only or upon the uncircumcision also? For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. How was it then reckoned? When he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? Not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. Well, I, I want to serve the Lord, but I have to clean up this in my life. I have to do this in my life. I'm not good enough to come into the congregation. I don't have the right dress. I don't have the right clothes. I, I, I don't have the right language. And I feel I, that's got nothing to do with it. If God speaks to you, you can't stop what He's doing. This call is greater than all the other things. And I, I say this for us as a church. When somebody comes in and they aren't dressed quite right and they aren't such and such, don't point your nose down at them. You look at them and say, oh God, may you help them. And if somebody has done something wrong and they come back in, don't say, well, if you're going to come back in, there's seven steps you've got to do. You've got to stand before the board of the deacons. Then you've got to go through this. Then. No, you don't. You need the blood of Jesus. You need forgiveness. You need a repentant heart. Let's be about the Father's business. Let's create an atmosphere when people come in. Nice to see you. Come on in. Enjoy the presence of God. We too often get this elder son mentality over the prodigal. Huh. You were out in the world, you did that for 10 years. You think you can come in here and just start serving God? There's going to be at least three years in purgatory for you. That's Catholic. Well, no, it can happen in the message. There's a message purgatory. Yeah, you've got to do this, and you know, you've got to. No. The minute God speaks, that's righteousness. The minute you respond, that's all that's needed. And you know what? Sometimes we don't see it. Sometimes God is working. How many remembers the story of Brother Branham speaking about Zacchaeus and how his wife Rebecca was praying and, and it didn't look like anything was happening with Zacchaeus, but he was already out buying a garbage can that he could stand and put at the base of the tree to call, call up the tree. No, nothing had happened. When did his faith start? When he started moving towards that. When he came, uh, there had to be a preparation and a groundwork. And when Jesus passed under the tree, and saw the garbage can and looked up in the tree and he saw him and he says, Zacchaeus, come down. Like, do you, do you know the reaction of all the disciples? I don't know if you've watched The Chosen, but Matthew was not well liked by the other disciples. Simon the Zealot was of another sort. Wow, where did he come from? 
But God picked every one of them. God chose every one of them. It doesn't matter where they came from. The fact is God chose them. And just because we can't see something, it doesn't mean that God's not on the scene. Keep praying. Keep believing. You don't know what day that domino will fall. But we make it so much about manifestation. Well, when they come to the altar and when they publicly apologize, and no, it's not about that. When they come to Christ and maybe it's weeping and Listen, I don't believe that's out of the equation. I believe that's the old-fashioned gospel. You listen to a man running from the presence of God, and Brother Branham talks, and he's, he's coming to the end of the service, and he's just winding down, and, and there's this woman wailing in the background, and, oh, Jesus, I love you, Jesus. She's got the altar, and Brother Branham just pauses for a minute. Oh, sister, you feel better now, don't you? Oh, I like to see them born that way, he says. You can also be born in your pew. Just turn your heart to God. But we look for we in this world, in this age of sight, see, and all these things, we look for religious manifestation. Well, and, and I just say this for all of us. Sometimes we think we don't have faith. But if somewhere God spoke to you, somewhere you're moving, somewhere you're doing things, you've got faith. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm really not even close, but I, I said I'm, I'm taking my time, so. Abraham was called out of idol worship. If we're not careful, we can bring idol worship in. Can I, can I read something? Uh, there's another quote. I'll save it tonight maybe, but. Sometimes when you're selecting your pastors, you usually select the guy in a great big seven-footer with curly hair and so forth, the Hollywood type. God often doesn't choose that type. You want somebody that'll be a mixer, God wants separators. That's the trouble. You mix the world with Christ, it won't work. Let me read. There's something else I wanted to pull out of here. Let me go back to just this thought out of Genesis 12. God, by his sovereign grace and election, not because Abraham was better than anyone else. So this morning, if you have been in the message and you feel like, I should have responded, I should have done, he picked the worst of the sinners when he picked me. I don't know if you've so some of you have never heard Brother Harold's testimony. He grew up in the message too, but he ran wild. And he married Sister Marlene, and he, he was there, and it looked like things weren't going good. And God had a father-in-law named Brother Beaton who spoke to him and said, if Harold doesn't line up, I'm going to cut him off. And the it wasn't just the words, but it was the spirit came behind it. Brother Harold, I may get it wrong. I apologize. But I'm just saying it is God had to speak to Brother Harold. It wasn't because of the family. Now, there was family that was there that was part of it, but it was God. And Brother Harold laid on his face, not before his father-in-law, but before God. And he, he made that. He knew this was the last time. 
You might say this morning, oh, I, I've done this, I've done this. You know, I, I should have, we get this complex, there's no way I can ever live it with this. All it takes is just a step. Lord, would you remember me this morning? And maybe, I, I will say this, I'm going to wind my thoughts down early. I'm going to let you out right away here so you can brush the snow off your car. Don't look outside, by the way. Um, the, maybe you've slipped back into something. You know, maybe I used to be, I made a star out of a hockey player or, or a music star, but now I have stars in the message. God is no respecter of persons. He wants us to walk with Him. It's the greatest walk you can have is with Him. Maybe your star is the group that I'm under, or the young people I'm associated with, or those that like what I like. That, that's, that's all good. That's nothing wrong with that. That's a part of it. But greater than that is when God comes to you personally. Abraham, in an age of, let's have the musicians come, in an age of sight, sound, see, he had to believe on a God that he could not see. He, he, he couldn't even hang his hat on anything other than the fact something came to his conscience so real that he couldn't help but respond to it. That's still God today. Maybe you've, you've, you've slipped back into something. God hasn't changed his covenant. Abraham slipped back too. He slipped back into lying. He slipped back into other things. But it didn't change God's choice. And if God thought enough of you to speak to you, to knock at your heart, that ought to be enough to say, you mean God, the creator of heavens and earth, that God wants to speak to me? How many... How many were here on Wednesday here, Brother Brent Gransky, give his little exhortation about, about a, a brother that wanted to go see the president, and, and he, couldn't, he couldn't even get near the president. And he, and he would try as hard, and he couldn't. But we can come here today, and we can have an audience with the King of Kings, with the one that that president will kneel to one day, and he's knocking at our heart's door, and he wants to come to you. He wants to be a part of you. Let's stand together. I'm letting you out early because I'm going to carry on tonight, and this is a good place to do it. Is that all right? Amen. I heard the quote about preacher 15 minutes. Well, 50 minutes maybe, a little, little bit more. 50 plus 15 maybe, so we're okay. He came to me. He came to me. Oh, he, he came, came to me. me.